And today I have a privilege. Uh, I'm not introducing anything new, as you would see, that we're just playing with the words. Um, it's not a new series, so there's not gonna be much of introduction. I'm literally building up on what we've been teaching um, the last couple of weeks. Uh, you would remember that the series that Maruti was wrapping up last week was called Living by the Word. Amen? Amen. So we just wrapped up Living by the Word, but we did not necessarily wrap it up. Um, we con not concluded. We put a comma, and now we're saying, if you're going to leave that by the Word, what we ought to do is we need to cultivate a habit of praying by the Word. And, and today, we, we're going to be building up on living by the Word to see how we can practically live by the Word um, through praying by the Word. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us this morning as we start. Father, we come before you, Lord, this morning. We humble ourselves, and we want to thank you, Lord, first and foremost. Um, it is an absolute privilege to get to come, sit under the teaching of your word, Father God, to get to hear from you as you speak to us, as you instruct us, as you challenge us, Father God, and as you call us into even deeper waters, Father God. I pray, Lord, that as you're about to speak to us this morning, may you fine tune our ears, Father God, that we may hear exactly as you intend us to, Father God. I pray, God, that your word may come alive in us, Lord. Let your word come alive in us, Father God. I pray that as we, as we sit and we listen, may you back the teaching of your word through signs and wonders, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we're going to read. Um, I just want to give you guys a, a bit of context to this. Um, but on your Bibles, you can just quickly go to 1 John 5. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. But you would see there, it says, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. So that is the scripture where we are borrowing the whole thing from. And I'm going to ask A.V. to go to, I think it's the fifth slide. I want to show you guys something quickly as we start this morning and where this whole thing comes from. Um, if you remember, a couple of months ago, weeks ago, I think it was about six weeks ago, we did a series called Fight. Who remembers Fight? We spoke about the armor of God, amen? But the first thing we started with Fight, we started by identifying the origin of the battle. And Vivian did such an amazing job by showing us where the whole thing started. And she took us all the way to Genesis chapter 3, and in Genesis chapter 3, she showed us how when God created man and, uh, man in his own image, and then man sinned, God made a plan right there and there. Let me just say this before I continue. Um, as I was praying and preparing for this message, God really just challenged me. Um, I was going to close with this. But because of where we are, I want to challenge you. Maybe it's going to challenge even the way that we listen and we apply, we, we apply ourselves in today's teaching. God really challenged me as I was planning and, and, and just listening and, and you know, hearing from him and reading scripture just to get today's word. And, and this is the word that God gave me, that God is out to liberate us. God is here to set us free. And he gave me two scriptures. 
Um, the first scripture is that of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And when it was brought before Jesus with the accusers, they brought her before Jesus. And then Jesus said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And then the Bible says, each one of them, they started moving away from this woman, one by one. And before she knew it, it was just her and Jesus. And then Jesus asked her a question, so who condemns you? And there was no one. So as I was preparing, I felt like God was saying to some of us in this room, we are still stuck in a position of condemnation, even when the accuser no longer condemns us. I felt like God was saying, some of you are holding yourselves back because you are condemning yourself. You are your worst enemy. I felt like we know what God has called us to do, but we disqualify ourselves from doing what God has called us to do because of the judgment that we've received from the world. And I felt like God wanted to liberate us this morning by saying that even he himself, he does not condemn us. He does not condemn you. God does not condemn you. And my prayer when God gave me this word was, Lord, may you deliver us from ourselves. Deliver us from self-condemnation, Lord. And we want to pray because I feel like some of you are really struggling. You're wrestling with this idea of being a believer, but it just does not make sense that you of all people can experience God in his fullness. Not after you've done the things that you've done. And God says this morning that he himself, he does not condemn you. And the second scripture that God gave me is the story of Paul when he was arrested and then Paul begins to worship in the prison. And the Bible says as he was worshiping, the chains that which he was bound with, they fell off his hands. And not only did the chains fall off, but even the prison doors began to open. And Paul had an option of just walking out freely, but he stayed. And when the guard woke up and he saw that the prisoners were free, he took his knife and then he almost killed himself. But Paul says, hey, listen, do not kill yourself. We are here. And I feel like God is saying that there are people in this room, you are long liberated from all the chains and every sin that bound you and held you captive. God has freed you long ago. The doors have been opened. The chains have fallen off. God has freed you. And you are free to go. And the funny thing with that is that he then continued. He gave me a scripture that he whom the Son sets free, guess what? He is free indeed. And God is saying to us this morning that you are free. He himself sets you free. Not only are you free because you, you were born free or you're free born um, or millennial, or, but he himself sets you free. He lays his own life down so that you may be free. So it matters not where you come from. It matters not where you've been through, what you have been through. It matters not what you have been done. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. I'm not sure if this makes any sense. And my prayer is that as we go through the word this morning, you may walk freely 
into this freedom, this newfound freedom that is in Christ for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if you're struggling at any given point in time, we have leaders in the house who would gladly pray with you, walk with you, and teach you how to walk in this newfound freedom. A couple of weeks ago, we taught on 2 Timothy 3, verses 16, 15 and 16, 16 and 17, and we saw how God, he says, the word, he has given us his word so that he may train us through the word how to live in righteousness. So if you feel like you are failing to reconcile the person God has called you to be and the person you used to be, God has given you his word so that through the word you may be washed and trained how to live this new life that Christ is calling you to live. Amen? Amen. So that's that. So with that being said, I really want to challenge you. Um, Today I'm going to go all the way back, six weeks back, so that I may just come back and just make two points. I only have two points. I know I normally do five. So I'm just going to, two points, and then we're going to close. But the reason why I'm challenging you is because when we stand and we teach, um, there is often such a conviction in the preparation of something that God wants to do in the church. A couple of weeks ago on campus, we sat, we were doing the Purple Book with the guys. And then on the Purple Book, there's a section at the end of each uh, session. It's called the application section. And then we often do the application and then we ask them, so how are you going to apply today's lesson? And then they all share, okay, cool, I'm going to start doing this, I'm going to do that. And then you come back the following week, there's a new application. And guess what? As we pick one up, we let go of the other one. We are like monkeys in a cornfield trying to pick as much corn as we can. We take one, we put it under our arm, and the other one, and the minute you open our hands, the old one falls. But I feel like God is challenging us to apply ourselves in his word. So I'm going to challenge you. Please, go back, re-listen, and listen again, and ask God to show you what is it that he wants you to apply. Amen? Amen. So, back to this slide. So, we began by fight. And in fight, we learned that the battle begins in the Garden of Eden. And then the battlefield is our mind. And then the weapons of the battle is the armor of God. Amen? But then we saw that in these weapons of fighting the battle that we are all facing, there is only one weapon that God has given us that affords us the privilege of going on the offense. And that was the sword. Everything else protects us. Only the sword affords us the opportunity to go on the offense. And Maruti said, it feels like God was calling us to go on the offense. Amen? So when you see that you are about to set your army free to go out and fight, and then they, they are not equipped to fight with the weapon that you have given them, that is not a wise thing to do. At the very least, you need to take some time and train them on how to use the very weapon that you have given them. So having understood that at our disposal, we have the sword, which is the word of God, the sword of the spirit, And then we began going back to, okay, cool, now what do we do with the sword? Imagine, Moruti said, um, you do not bring a knife to a gunfight. Now imagine bringing 
um, a stick into a sword fight? What's going to happen there? You're not going to last very long. I mean, you might strike, uh, it might be painful, but what comes after that it will take you out completely. So that is how we then move from fight to living by the word, because then we are learning what is the word of God, and not only what is the word of God, but why has God given us his word? And not only why has he given us his word, but how can we use the word of God to our advantage? So we began by understanding that when God speaks his word, in fact, he has taken so much time, it begins from conceptualization, that word, Vivian, and then it goes to formulation, and then there's articulation. So we see God in Genesis articulating the word. He says, let there be, but we do not see the formation, but in the formation of nature, we can see the mind of God in how things came to be. We can see that God took his time when he sent out his word, it was well thought out. It was not just an, a haphazard thing, that you know what, I'm bored. Let that be this. The word knew exactly. There was instruction that was embedded in the word of God so that when it left God's mouth, it went out and it did as God intended it to do. That is why when he looks at it, at the work that the word had done, what does he say? This is good. Well done. This is good. And then from there, we went and we saw the purpose of the word. What is the purpose of the word? We learned that the purpose of the word is to wash us, to make us clean, so that we may learn how to live a life in righteousness, not for righteousness, because we already are the righteousness of God. And now, last week, Maruti came and he did such an amazing job. I remember on Monday as I was listening to the message and I was thinking, man, this is just amazing. And he was teaching about the power of the word. The word of God is powerful. And then I began thinking to myself, what does it mean that the word is powerful? I mean, have you ever realized, guys, that the same person that you go to to pray for healing, they use the same scripture that you read at home, but there is no healing? Have you ever realized that? When you come to Moruti, hey Moruti, I'm trusting God for a job, he quotes the same scripture that you have access to, and then God moves. Have you ever realized that? And, and I began wondering, why is it that way? And I felt like God was saying, it is because of this. If the word of God is the sword of the spirit, then you ought to treat the word like a sword. The process of making a sword is very intricate. It's very complicated. I have a picture there. I think it's the fourth slide. Um, you will see that there is a man with a hammer and there's fire behind him. And then he takes this steel rod and then he puts it in fire and then he brings it out and then he begins to hammer it with the hammer. He flattens it. Now, on the other side is a katana damas, one of the strongest swords that is known to us. In fact, um, there is a Japanese uh, rumor, I'm going to keep it at that, it's a rumor, that there is a katana sword that cut through a machine gun during World War II. Now what that tells us is that this sword was really sharp. Whoever made the sword, they did such a fantastic job that it was able to cut through a machine gun. 
So now this means if the word of God is the sword of the spirit, my question to you would be, how sharp is your sword of the spirit? How much time do you spend sharpening your sword of the spirit? How invested are you in making sure that your, your sword of the spirit is, is, it is well taken care of, there is no rust on it, um, I mean it can stand any type of battle. So I began thinking that maybe when we spend time in the morning, in the word, what we're actually doing is, when we read the Bible, it's like taking the sword and you're sitting down and you're putting on the furnace and then you begin to work the sword and you're sharpening your sword. And as you sharpen your sword and you fold it, you see the beauty of the katana there, there's lines on the side on the blade, those lines, they represent the number of times that the metal had been folded. The more you fold it, the stronger it is. So what happens with us is that the more time we spend in the word, the sharper the word becomes in us. The more time you spend in the word, the sharper, the more the word washes us and the sharper the word becomes in us. When you look at Luke chapter four, we see Jesus in the wilderness. The Bible says he was hungry. But the one thing we know is that his sword of the spirit was so sharp that when the enemy came to him, the only thing he needed was just one blow. And the enemy subsided, pulled back. Because the sword of the spirit was sharp. And I feel like sometimes when we come across situations and we try to exercise the same privilege of wielding our sword of the spirit because our sword is not sharp enough. Have you ever tried to cut anything with a blunt knife? <laughs> I mean, it's painful. Have you ever tried to strike anything with a blunt sword, like a blunt knife? It is painful and I feel like this is where we've been hurt by the word of God because we have not spent much time in it. The word is not sharp inside of us. And then we are faced with situations and you try to do what you see Moruti do. You know what Moruti does? He just quotes the word and things happen and you do the same thing, but your sword is not sharp enough. And you strike and it bounces. And then you begin to doubt the word of God. But you do not spend time sharpening your sword. So if the word of God, it is alive and it is active, May it come alive in us on a daily basis. Amen. We were supposed to read John chapter 1, uh, 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And I'm going to read the scripture to you and I'm going to close quickly. And the scripture says, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that we, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have made to him, of him. Amen. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in, a, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have of him. Amen. So just two points. The first point that I want to talk about is that in the word of God is God's will. 
in the very word of God, we discover God's will. So when we're doing living by the word, we're not just saying spend time in the word for the sake of spending time in the word, but we'll spend time in the word of God so that in it you may discover God's will. Because there is something amazing that happens when you discover God's will. There is something amazing, there is a shift that happens when you discover God's will. Amen? Amen. I think when I came to Christ, I have a whole list of things that I wanted God to do for me. And the more I spent time in the word, the more I saw that God had plans for me. And his plans were not to harm me, but his plans were to prosper me. And his plans were to give me hope and a good future. And I asked God, Lord, if your plans are to prosper me, to give me hope and a good future, why is there your plans are not to harm me? Could it be that at some point in time, as I follow you, as I journey with you, it will feel like, you know what, God, your plans right now, they're just bringing harm to my body, Lord. Could it be that as I follow you closely, I mean, the very recommendation of following Christ is, if anyone would come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I don't know about you, but that does not sound like a good deal to me. It honestly just does not. I mean, I came to God with a whole list. And the thing is, I was not even asking for bad things. I was asking for really genuinely good things. Lord, I want to be a father of seven. (laughs) I mean, that isn't God's will. It is right there. Subdue the earth and multiply. And the more you spend time in the word of God, the more you begin to see that, man, God is inviting you into something deeper, something bigger than you, something bigger than yourself, something bigger than your plan. And you spend more time and more time in the word and you begin to discover the, God's will in the word of God. And then it becomes easier and easier to lay down your plans and to lay down your life. And then you pick up the cross and you follow him because you know that even though it may feel like harm, but his plans are not to harm you. His plans are to prosper you. His plans are to give you hope and a future. I think it's the same. When I came to Christ and I heard about the concept of purity and I heard about the concept of giving 10% of everything I have, I mean, on what earth does it make sense to leave off 90% when you had an option of leaving off 10% and the 10% is enough? It just does not make sense. But the more you follow Christ, the more you pick up your cross, you begin to see, Lord, I thank you that your plans are good for me. So in the word of God, we discover God's will. Now, I believe that as believers, we are struggling to follow Christ and to to, to surrender to his will because we are not invested in his word. And because we are not invested in his word, we do not know God's will. And because we do not know God's will, it feels like it is harm to us. It feels like harm to us because we are not invested in his word. When we spend time in his word. Second point. In God's will is our prosperity. Now, in God's word, 
in God's will is our prosperity. Now, at this point, I put it there because the more you spend time in the word of God and the more you see how God wants to prosper you and how prosperity in God's eyes is so different than prosperity in our own eyes, it changes everything. It changes everything. Maruti, last week, you spoke about the power that is in the word of God. And as I was preparing, God challenged me. He said, but do you realize that if you spend enough time in the word, you begin to experience the power that is in the word, and people might mistake you for a powerful person, when you're actually not. In fact, you don't have to be a powerful person to do the powerful things that God has called us to do. The only thing you need to do is to be in this powerful word and allow the powerful word to do the powerful things through you. Because the word of God all by itself, it is powerful. For this reason, the sick can come to you and they ask for healing. And you can lay hands not because you have the healing powers within you. You might not even have the gift of healing, but the word of God has it. And because it does, and you are in the word, and the word of God is in you, and you begin to speak the word, you'll begin to see God move mightily in you. For this reason, not only do we have to live by the word, but we have to begin praying by the word. Because when you are living by the word of God, and you begin to speak out the word of God, you're going to begin to experience the things that God has hidden within his word. The last story that I want to share with you as I close is a story of a Roman soldier who comes to Jesus. And as he comes to Jesus, his heart is, I don't want you to come back with me, Lord. Just speak your word. I think as the story unfolds, it's one of the most beautiful stories in Scripture to see someone who was not a Jew coming to the King of Jews. And he says, Lord... My servant is not well. And Jesus begins to pack because he knows how the people operate back in the day. He's like, okay, cool, I'm coming with you. And the man is like, you know what? You don't have to come with me. Just speak the word. Speak the word. I'm a man in a position of authority. And I know when I speak the word, you see this guy? He's paralleling the things of the spirit to the things of the world. He knows that when he speaks a command and then those who are below him and they take heed of what he has said, they go and do exactly as he instructed them to do. But right here, he's not just speaking to the one who's in charge of people, but he's in charge of the whole universe, the spirit and everything around us. He says, you know what? My interpretation of that story is this. He realized that if Jesus were to go back with him, that might take longer because he'll be walking with him. But if he sends the word, the word will go there. It will arrive before they even get to the person. And the word will do the work that Jesus had sent it to do. And that, guess what happens? As they leave Jesus and they're going back, they're intercepted by two soldiers. And they're saying, Lord, you will not believe this. Yesterday, around one, your servant was made well. And then he remembered. It was exactly the time when Jesus spoke the word. So when we pray the word of God, 
We are sending the word of God in areas of our lives into the futures of our kids, of our campuses. When we speak the word of God, we are are literally setting up a preferred future for ourselves because the word goes further than we could ever go. And it does more than we could ever do. And John, 1 John 5, it says we have the confidence This is the confidence that we have in Christ Jesus. When you spend time in the word of God and you begin to see, and you begin to see how God operates, you begin to gain confidence in God. And the thing about God's will is that God's will looks different than our will. God's will feels different than what we would feel. I don't know about you, but God's will does not work our way. Right now, you could be struggling. You could be trusting God for a job, but if you are in God's will, you are in a better place than you could ever be with a job. That does not sit well with you. It's fine. I'm going to say amen myself. Amen. And if you're in God's will, either or, that is good for you. Right now, you might feel like you are climbing a mountain and you are not making any difference in the climbing. But if you're in God's will, you are right where God wants you to be. You are doing exactly what God wants you to do. Now, the challenging bit about this is that unless you are in the word of God, unless you've seen how God works, you might find yourself climbing mountains that God has called you to move. Unless you're in the word of God, you might be stuck trying to move mountains that God has called you to climb. It is very easy to miss it. That is why we have to be in the word of God. That is why we have to pray the word of God. That we may experience the power that is in the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Can I pray for us? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you for your will, Father God. The Bible says that your will is good for us. It is perfect. It is pleasing, Father God. Father, I pray this morning that you may teach us, Father God, how to discern your will in our lives, Father God. That at every step that we take, at every stage or phase of our lives, Father God, may we be so aware of your will, Father God. Father, we remember You called out Abraham from a place of comfort into the world where he knew nothing and no one. As he wandered, Father God, he was right in your will, Father God. He was right in your will, Father God. Father, may you teach us how to discern your will, Father God. Teach us to pray your word, for your word is good for us, Father God. Your word is food, Father God, to us. It is the lamp unto our feet, Father God. And Holy Spirit of God, I thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you that you are here to set the captives free. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.